Welcome to church this morning. We're glad that you're here. You were singing out really well. I'm excited to see what God's going to do. You're probably like, hey, what are we doing in church today? There's a blender. There is some orange juice. There's all kinds of stuff going on. Hey, we're going to have a good time in church today. I'm excited about this message. Um, it's been a, a message that, I'll be honest, was probably one of those messages that it was just labor-intensive and just kind of digging in and just really asking God, hey, you've got to speak, you've got to do something special because um, I believe powerfully that this message will really be a help to many this morning as I begin to study and prepare for it. We're going to be talking this morning. I'm just going to jump right into it. There's no other way to jump into a message like this than to simply just kind of dive in. And say we're talking about the blended family. The blended family. Since 2006, the blended family is now 60%, makes up 60% of the families in America. No longer is the nuclear family the predominant family in the United States. Now, you say, what is the nuclear family? The nuclear family is um, husband and wife and their kids. Now we have the blended, single, raised by grandparents. We have those type of families. Now, if you're sitting in here this morning, you're saying, hey, I am either a product of a blended family. You grew up with maybe a stepmom or stepdad or maybe grandma or grandpa, or you're raised by a single parent. Um, This message is not to put you down. This message is to actually lift you up. This message is to help those that may be um, in that situation. Because as I began to pray and as I began to study and as I began to look at Scripture, I began to realize I would not wish a divorce on my worst enemy. Now, you say, why would you say that? Now, if somebody's gone through that, I want to let you know right now. That is the hardest thing you probably ever had to do. And I don't want to put anybody down. This is to lift everybody up. Nobody wins. Nobody wins. There's so much heartache, so much hurt, so much pain. It's a painful process. And so as we talk about the blended family now, which makes up the majority, I mean, let's just do a quick demographic real quick. How many of you, you are either a part of or you're raised in some type of blended, either single or you had a stepmom, stepdad, or you had somebody that's been affected close to you? How many of you are affected by that? Would you lift up your hand? Okay. They say average is 50%. We're well over the 50%. Okay. Well over it. My, my mom's parents, they separated. And so it's one of those things where I just wouldn't wish on anybody. This is not something I know today you watch a TV show and it makes it seem like, oh, that's just nothing. No, as I began to study and began to research that, how can you go from having your kids 31 days a month to then having them only four days a month? That's, that's a parent's nightmare right there. To, to, to go from a point where you said, I, I will love this person to the day I die. I, I'm, I'll give you everything. I'll give you my all. And then to see that, that take it away. This morning, you may be looking at your family. We're talking about the family. And you may have had this idea of what the family should look like. You know, you've gone into um, maybe an Olin Mills or some photo place, and you, you see all these happy families, all these portraits of families. They look so perfect, don't they? They look like they've got it all together. You know, they've got the perfect little nuclear family with 2.3 kids. That's the average family, and they've got the perfect dog, and, and they got the perfect smile. I mean, how do they get their teeth that white? Maybe you had that image, and you're saying that's the ideal family right there because we all have that image. We want the ideal family, but then you step back, and you say, What do I do when my ideal family 
doesn't match my real family. Because we have these ideals. But what do you do when your ideal does not match up with what is real? What is real is that now you're a single parent. What is real is that now you're having to uh, go to a lawyer to make sure you can see your own kids. That's reality. Now what is real is now your check is being, uh, a certain amount is being taken uh, to go and support your kids, which you're fine with doing. You should do that. This is your children. But, but now what do, you, what do you do? I want to talk about the blended family. And I, I honestly think this will be a very encouraging message. I know it's starting off a little bit depressing. I mean, last week was great. I mean, we were, we were praying for the Niners. They lost, but the Raiders won. We prayed for the Raiders. So I guess you could see, you know, God favors one team in here over the other. I just don't know how, you know. I mean, black is the color of sin, and you got gold, and you got red, or like, uh, you know, the colors of God, you know. Those are just God's colors, like red and gold, you know. Come on, you know. So uh, last week was great, and this week, I don't mean to start off on a, on a damp note or anything, but we're just jumping into this family series and we've been talking about last week we talked about building bridges of forgiveness and extending that bridge the week before we talked about hey mending the modern family how today the modern family has got its priorities all out of whack where we look at family and i hear all the time parents say hey just putting family first only problem is if you look at your scriptures anytime you open up the bible i'm still looking for the verse where it says family first i'm still looking for it. if you find it let me know i study this thing for a living i still haven't found it the bible does say put god first and then it does say to the husband and wife you're second like in the order okay and it says children third job fourth You know, it's amazing. Your job would tell you it's the exact opposite. Your job would say, flip that around. We're number one, baby. And then your kids, they take that number two slot after the job. And then there's the spouse, which that's the one, if we could ever draw from, that's the one that gets cheated the most. I mean, come on. We put on that little uh, survey. Hey, do you date your spouse at least twice a month? And we're like, does going to the grocery store count as a date? Hey, it's not a date if the kids are there. All right, if the kids are anywhere present, it is not a date. All right, you've got to have some time away from the children because kids means keeping intimacy at a distance, okay? That's what kid means, all right? So just so you know, that's their goal, all right? So if you got kids, they're killing the intimacy, all right? And we want you to have a wonderful, intimate marriage, all right? So we've been dealing with what is that goal? And a lot of people, they get the order out of whack. And when we have God's order out of whack, there's going to be disorder. But that's okay because where there's disorder, God says, hey, that's just order waiting to happen. I can step into that situation and I can, I can rectify by that if we will allow him to. And we've been looking at two Bible characters, one by the name of Abraham and one by the name of Sarah. This is a husband and wife, and we're going to pick up right where we left off. We start in chapter 15. Last week, we hit chapter 16. Can anybody guess where we're going this week? 17. You're wrong. No, I'm just kidding. No, we are. We are. Chapter 17, open your Bibles if you have it. If you don't, it'll be up on the screen, or you can pull out your iPad or whatever device you like to look at the Scripture, and we're going to open it up. We're going to begin reading in verse number 1, all right? And we're talking about better when blended. I don't want you to leave here thinking, I have messed up my family. I've done something that just, oh, I just can't fix it. I want you to understand that there is going to be hope this morning, all right? Now, there's the ideal, then there's the real. And I hope this marriage helps you to do two things. I hope it's for those of you that say, you know what? 
Family is worth fighting for. My marriage is worth fighting for. I hope you would come out with that. For those of you who said, hey, I'm already past that point. That, that's already done with. I hope you are encouraged to see that God says, hey, you're not second class. You're not second rate. This church isn't going to treat you second rate or second class, okay? So verse number one, here's what the Bible says. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto him. Now, we left chapter 16. 13 years prior, okay? God hasn't spoken to Abraham in 13 years. Let me just stop for a second. Some of you, you're like, I've been praying about this thing for months and I haven't heard an answer from God. For 13 years, Abraham didn't hear anything from God, okay? So sometimes we're, we're in this rush to, 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 God, I need to hear from you. Abraham waited 13 years and he said to him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you, Abraham. Covenant means promise, that promise that they made in chapter 15. And God is reminding Abraham, it says, you shall be a father of many nations. Neither shall, shall thy name anymore be called Abram. Abram means exalted father. That's what the name means. God's going to change Abraham's name. He changes Abram's name from Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham, which means father of a multitude. As up till right now, he only has one son, Ishmael. And God says, that wasn't my plan. You went outside of my plan. My plan is for you and Sarah to have a son. Now, names back then meant a lot, okay? I know today people try to change their name to add meaning. Meta World Peace, he's still trying to get away from his kind of bad boy persona. Just got traded to the Lakers. I don't think it's really going to help them much. But anyway, you know, people try to get these names that have this meaning. Back then... Your name meant a lot, okay? So walking around, as people would call you, look at you and say, Father of many, Father of many nations. Yeah, you don't even have really any of your own kids. So this is kind of odd that God would do this, but stay with us. In verse number six, and I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will multiply nations of you, and kings shall come out of you. I did a little research on that, kings. You know how long it was going to take before the first king came out of this line? 1,000 years. A thousand years. But God said, hey, I'm, I'm gonna, it's going to happen. Verse number seven. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and thy seed after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant, everlasting, eternal covenant, to be a God unto you and to thy seed after you. Now, verse number 18. Here's what Abraham says. After God says all that, here's what Abraham says. And Abraham said unto God, oh, that Ishmael might live before me. What? God just says, no, 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 my plan is for you to have this son. But here, Abraham's just like, but God, I've got Ishmael over here. Why don't you just use that? Why don't you just take my blended family and work with that? And God is going to help. And I believe he's going to do some great things to this mess this morning. Let's pray. There is something going on with the sound system. Hopefully you don't mind. It'll be all right. All right, let's ask God's blessing. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for the morning. I pray that you would bless. I pray right now that the teams that you want to win would win. I pray the Raiders would repent. I pray that they would get right. Uh, We pray the 49ers would have a good game. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. All right. Well, now I feel like we're we're ready. Okay, now we've prayed. We've asked God's blessing. We're talking about the blended family. I don't know about you, but the blended family is something that God's been doing some great things through and with. And when it comes to the blended family, we oftentimes have to understand the blended family is God taking all these unique ingredients. 
Okay? Things that may at first glance may not sound all that appealing or all that great. And God takes these ingredients, and I don't know if any of you like these ingredients. How many of you are spinach fans? Any spinach fans in the house? There's a few more than I thought. This is ruining my illustration. I thought you guys hate spinach. I've learned to enjoy spinach. It's good for you. It is um, delicious and nutritious, all right? It really is. I've just gotten to that point where I now enjoy spinach. And guess what? Spinach now goes into all of my smoothies. Any of these smoothie makers at home, you make smoothies? Man, this is, I love this church. I, I need to go here more often. This is awesome. You guys just, man, I just feel like we got a connection. So understand that when it comes to blending the modern family, there are certain ingredients you would say, this, uh, I don't know how that's going to work, but you know what? When you put it all together, it kind of all works out really well. Now, all of my ingredients are organic. I don't know about you. You may say, no, I go all organic, okay? okay? My Greek yogurt and, um, you know, I, except for my orange juice. I was in a rush. I didn't, I'm sorry. I didn't get any organic orange juice. But it's interesting when we're talking about the blended family, all the unique ingredients that go in. Some, they're just kind of, oh, I don't know if I'm going to use that. I don't know if I'm really going to use that ingredient. But one thing I found, when you are in the process, backing up just for a second, of you're now this blended family. I hope before you got to that stage that you were very selective. Um, I was very selective in the products that I put in my smoothies. I hope you're selective. I hope you're selective in the people that you say, oh, I'm going to remarry or I'm going to date this person. Because I believe this message is for every age and every stage, okay? Every age and every stage. So you may say, I'm not married. I'm single right now. I want you to be selective in your products. Be selective in who you choose. Don't just grab anything. Uh, Sometimes I'll shop at Food Max. The only thing that I don't like getting their produce there, it goes bad so quickly. So it makes horrible smoothies. Smoothies, you need fresh ingredients. And I can tell you this, when you're looking for a potential spouse, you got to go past a lot of fruits and nuts. Ba-doom, You guys are a rough crowd this morning. Man, I don't know what it's going to take. I'm going to try. I'm going to love every corny joke I've got. Just sympathy laughs are really appreciated, okay? So when you're looking for that potential uh, spouse or that person, understand you're looking for the best. Don't settle. I see a lot of people settle. And I'm just kind of like, really? Um, You know, the person doesn't have a job. The person doesn't know what they're going to do. So just be selective when choosing your products. And then when you start making these smoothies, you're going to... Take some interesting ingredients. And when you're getting these ingredients together, I'm going to take just a minute. Just bear with me, all right? This is kind of like fun. I've always wanted to have a cooking show. And this is kind of cool. This is like my first little cooking show. i got to put down this mic. I should have worn the other mic. Pull out the spoon. And you nice and scoop it just, just right, okay? I always put in the Greek yogurt first. You may decide not to. It blends better. It just does, okay? You may say, no, it doesn't really blend all that well for me. It, it just does. Now, we've got the base for our smoothie, but we don't really have all of our ingredients. I'm going to start adding more ingredients. I like some fresh frozen, or fresh, I like frozen vegetables in mine. I typically do a couple scoops. Now, when it comes to the vegetables or the fruit and the vegetables, I like to mix them. You can do whatever you want. Some of you are like, hey, I, didn't, I thought I was coming to church, not cooking class. Don't worry. We're going somewhere, I hope, anyway, um, with this message. Let me just kind of scoop these things in here. And then, I like vegetables. Don't worry, I washed my hands yesterday. It's okay, all right? All right, there we go. You know one thing I like about orange juice? This is like my equalizer. If you're not good or you've never made a smoothie, let me help you out. 
If you're just starting to make smoothies and you're not sure how it's going to taste, if you add enough orange juice, it always tastes good. Like no matter what you put in there. One time my wife accidentally got this mustard greens. Have you ever had mustard greens in a smoothie? It's disgusting. We got into all kinds of, we got a Jacqueline at our house. We were blending like beet juice. I like beet juice. Any beet juice, you guys? I was a couple of you. And uh, we had this, it was this, um, I forgot what she called it. But to me, it tasted like coffee. And I was like, this is crazy, you know? And she was blending up all kinds of stuff and it was great. But when you're making smoothies, if you're new at this, if you're a rookie, okay? If you're not like me, you know, you're not up to par with the Jamba Juice standards, then just orange juice, a lot of orange juice. It'll help make any smoothie taste great. Um, just, and some of you, you like to measure everything. Just eyeball it. Just kind of, you know, just get it in there. Just kind of, you know. Now, some of you understand something. When it comes to the blended family, it's hard on the kids, all right? There's going to be some icy feelings. Because as soon as you married a new spouse, guess what that did for the kids? That said, it's over. There is no chance of my old family coming back together. So you're going to have to deal with some icy feelings. We're going to talk about that if you'll hang on. Oh, a little bit of water there. My ice is melting. All right, but that's okay. So you're going to have to deal with some icy feelings. But you know what you see a lot of people do? They say, I've got all these ingredients, our family. But guess what? You just leave all the ingredients. You don't blend it. You just leave it there. You're just kind of like, there is my smoothie. Now, I can tell you right now. This smoothie is not going to taste good at all. I don't know about you, but I'm not, I don't know, Dee, would you, would you want some of that? No, it's just, something's missing, right? And for some of you, you're like, my family just, I don't know what's wrong with my family. They're just, ah, it's just off. Because it's not blended. So what we oftentimes, I see people do, instead of blending, they're like, you know what? <clears throat> I will blend my family. They pull out a spoon. I'm going to make my family work. I'll work this thing. I'll figure this thing out. The smoothie's still not working. But there's families. This is, this is what I see them doing. Just like, Pastor, I don't know why my family's so jacked up. I mean, I, I, that's what they're doing. And I still, I look at them, and I'm like, well, it's a little bit kind of mixed together. Kind of. But that's not going to work, is it? Here's what we need we got a blender here for a reason. Some of you had that cool Vitamixer. Those things are awesome. You could put that on the back of your bass boat, and I promise you, that thing will take off, even with your bass boat. That thing is powerful, all right? So those Vitamixers, you got one of those, those are awesome, all right? I've got Oyster, all right? Oyster, yes, all right? The only problem with this one, it's not plugged in. You see, this is what I think is so powerful. What's so great about a church like ours and a God like ours is God says, hey, I understand your family went from ideal to real, okay? Whether you are a blended family or whether your family is not a blended family and marriage is just hard, okay? It's not easy. It's got its moments. And so you may be sitting here thinking, hey, life is hard right now. Life is tough. It's really tough when we try to do it on our own. It's really discouraging when you're trying to just oh, just make my marriage work. I'm just going to make my kids work. It's just frustrating. But here's the thing. What's great about a blender is you turn it on and it does all the work for you. Okay? I want you to write this, write this down. There is strength for the struggle. There is strength for the struggle. You see, when it
blender, it's going to do all the heavy lifting. All I have to do is put the ingredients in. You see, God shows up into, Moses, into Abraham's life and says, Abraham, your family went from ideal to real. It's not exactly what I had planned. It's not exactly what I had for you. But guess what? In my grace, in my mercy, in my love, in my kindness, I'll take what is your real and I'll do something with it. But here's what a lot of people do. Now, I don't think this has happened in our church. We've got awesome people here. But a lot of people use their real as an excuse for not doing what's right. Let me say it one more time. There's a lot of people who use their real as an excuse to not do what's right. You know what? My family's broken. God, you failed me. God, you left me. And they, you grew up in that environment. So you say, I'm out of the church. Forget it. God, you, you, you pulled one over on me. I'm out. You, you let my parents separate and I'm, I'm angry at you. Or, or my husband's not treating me right or my wife's not treating me like, right. So I'm going to treat them like this. And I'm, I feel justified. But I want you to know something this morning. Just because you're real, you have a real issue. And guess what? We all do. There's not one person that's sitting here who says, my life is perfect. And if we do, we don't like you. We just don't. I mean, we're church people, so we're going to fake it. But really, we just, we're thinking really nasty thoughts about you. Kind of like we think about the Raiders, you know? And it's just kind of one of those things that we do. I'm sorry, I'm just on a Raider kick this week, all right? So, uh, it is because of this. It's because somebody put on their offering envelope after I prayed for the Niners to win. They put on their offering envelope, go Pittsburgh. I was like, man, they call yourself a Christian. My goodness, it's wrong. But understand that people, it's so easy for us to make an excuse. It's, and we have a valid reason. We say, well, look at my life. Look at this real thing that happened. And I'm not excusing what happened to you. It's hurt. It's painful. It's not what should have happened. It's not what you wanted to happen. But don't let your real become an excuse for doing what is right. Abraham's in that boat. He's always looking for an excuse to get away with something. That's Abraham. And I find that in so many of us. I find it in myself where I want to use an excuse where, hey, that person did wrong, so I should be able to do wrong. That person hurt me, so I should be able to hurt them back. Instead of understanding what does Scripture say, what does God want us to do? Am I living that out? We need to do what's right. And I want you to understand, God's saying there's strength for that struggle. Hey, that's not easy. It's not easy to do right by somebody who's done wrong by you. That's incredibly hard. That is on the point where... I'm just going to say it. You can't do it in and of yourself. Unless God steps into that situation, you do not have the human power or willpower to make that happen. I cannot mix this smoothie. And the longer I just leave it like that, it's going to start getting gnarly and funky, and nobody's going to want it. It's going to get nasty. You see, that's the thing about a smoothie. You wait like a day. I don't even like it when we'll go to Jamba Juice. I won't finish my smoothie. I'll throw it in the freezer, and I'll try it the next day. It's just gross. Because I always over-microwave it. They say put it in 15 seconds, but I've got one of those nuclear microwaves that's just like, man, the thing just blew up in there, you know, and it's just disgusting. I can never get it right, so I don't like smoothies unless I get them right away. And sometimes we just think, well, if I just ignore the problem, it'll just go away. The problem is, when you ignore your children, they do go away. And they don't ever come back. The problem is, when you ignore your spouse, they say, okay, I'll go away. They either close up into a shell, and you killed their spirit. Things happen. But God says, wait a minute. God shows up into Abraham's life and says, Abraham, I am. 
Now, in chapter 15, he showed up into Abraham's life and he said, I am. But this time he said, I am God Almighty, which is El Shaddai. means the God Almighty, the God, not just a God, the God, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-competent God. And God says, hey, Abraham, hook up to me. I could take care of this. So you right now, you're saying, I'm in a blended family, I'm in a difficult family. I want you to get connected to the source. That's why it's so important that you get tied into a good church. That's why it's so important we want you to know that we're here. We're going to support you wherever your family may be, whether it's blended, nuclear, single, whatever it is. We want to be the church that says, hey, plug in. We're going to help you. We're right there for you. We're not here to shame you, guilt you, make you feel bad. We're here to say, here's where you're at. Let's get you to where you need to be. Even though the ideal is gone and the real is here, we're still going to do something about it. And so you've got this ingredients and it's time to blend them got to turn it on got to connect got to get engaged because there's strength for that struggle now when i got this blender i used to do this and they got this high speed and i just used to i told my wife i was like just just get that smoothie going just put it on max at high speed here's the thing here's what happened oftentimes in a blended family you come in with a mindset that you're still a nuclear family when you're a blended family your mindset has to completely change you're not just planning one Christmas. You're planning two or three or four Christmases. Because now you're running people here and there. You're all over the place. You're now at the point where you are now sharing kids, sharing days. You can't think like you used to. You've got to change everything up. And I used to think, man, just jump into it. And here's what I'm going to say. If you're in that blended situation and you've got now new children, stepchildren, don't expect them to warm up to you right away. Because they're better at you. They're mad at you. You're the reason their other mom and dad aren't together. There should be some resentment. So with our blender, it's got a variable speed. It starts out kind of slow. And it alternates between speeds. I want to tell you this. It's going to take about five years for your family to really blend. Five years. Only problem is most blended families, statistics say, only make it three years. It's so hard. Do you know the number one reasons why families... Divorce in a nuclear family? Neither do I. I just know number five. <laughs> number fifth, the fifth reason why nuclear families divorce is over the children. That's the fifth reason. But you know what children feel like? Children feel like they're the problem. They always blame themselves, always. You know, in a blended family, you know the number one reason why a blended family will separate? The children. It will be over the children. Why? Because it's so hard. They just, their world's just been turned upside down. And so for you to just kind of jump in and say, well, we're just going to go to Disneyland every day. No, 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 that's not reality. So you've just kind of got a variable speed. Not all at once. Just kind of slowly. Just kind of let it, let it do its thing. Just alternate. Just variable. Just kind of let that thing go. And understand that, you know, I'm going to give this person a little bit of time. And God is going to give me a strength for the struggle. Guess what? The struggles are real. You have real issues. You have reoccurring issues. And guess what? You've got rooted issues. They're all there in your family and in my family. Oh, I love it. That looks awesome right there. That's a smoothie. That's what I want my smoothie to look like. I'm just telling you, that looks so good. I'm about ready to take the top off and just drink it straight out of there. But my wife's sitting here, and she said, no, that'll be germy. And then we don't want to do that. 
But we're going to get to that in just a second. But you need to understand something. There are these issues. And Abraham has been struggling with these issues. He had a real issue. His real issue was he kept veering off. Notice this in verse number one. What does God say to Moses? He says, Moses, or Abraham, I keep saying Moses. Abraham, walk before me. You ever think why God said, Abraham, walk before me? Look at it if you would, if you've got your Bible or you can uh, in your handouts. It says in verse number one, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Why would God say that to him? I'm trying to figure this out. I'm looking at this passage of scripture and I'm just like, I, I don't quite get that. Hey, D, can I, can I borrow you for a second? I, I need some help with the illustration. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to follow me and I'm going to walk and you kind of follow me but just veer off and go wherever you want, okay? You're going to start following me and just veer off wherever you want, okay? Here we go. Come on, dude, let's go. We're just going to walk around, and this is, I'm God, and D is Abraham, and I'm sorry, I'm a poor example, but D, just walk wherever, and it's like, wait, wait, D, no, come on, come back over here. All right, follow me, and then we're walking together for a little bit, and then veer off, veer off. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, veer off, veer off. And uh, sorry, there's no road to go. I'm surprised he's not jumping the roads. I jumped him. Come on, what's your problem? He thought about it, he thought about it. So as I'm going this way, do you go the other way? Wait a minute. You're not, you're not following. So God says, Abraham, it's been 13 years. You're supposed to follow me. You're not following me. So what does God say to Abraham? Don't walk behind me anymore. He says, walk in front of me. Hey, D, walk in front of me. Walk in front of me, okay? There you go. There you go. That's what God wants. Because he kept having this reoccurring issue. And he kept being, all right, stop. There we go. Okay, perfect. All right, Abraham, let's go again. Wait, Abraham, stop, stop for a second. Let's go up these stairs. Let's go up these stairs. Right here, right here. Let's go up this way. See, this is what God wants to do. You see, some of you, God says, hey, follow me. But guess what? We suck at following God. Stop for a second. And we don't follow him all the way. We veer off. And God is saying, no, no, if you can't follow me, then get in front of me, and I'll guide you. Keep going, keep going. We're going to go meet all these nice people. We don't ever come up here. We're always down there usually, okay? All right, now let's go back down. Let's go back down. Here, you can go in front of me. And understand, God is saying, hey, just walk in front of me. For some of you, that's the issue. You're always getting uh, up behind God, and you're getting off track, and you're losing focus. D, you did a great job. Give D a round of applause. And God said, Abraham, you have a problem. Your problem is you keep veering off course. Your problem is you're not focused on me. And God says, I'm going to take care of that issue. I want you to stay focused on me. But the root issue that came back to you is this as well. And maybe you've experienced this. Have you ever gone back to an old neighborhood or your old school or met somebody from your childhood? And you look at them and you're like, wow, my old house used to be so big. My old school used to be so huge. You see that person, you're like, that person used to be so tall. They shrunk. My house shrunk. My school shrunk. Everything's so much smaller. What happened? You got bigger. And it got smaller. I find the same thing happens in my faith. The more I live my Christian faith, the more I think I'm getting closer to God, God, for whatever reason, starts to seem smaller. And when our God seems small, our problems seem huge, and we don't deal with them, and we let our problems destroy us. We let the blended family just take over, and we say, God, you can't do anything. You're, you're, you're just so small now. I've gotten bigger, and God, you've gotten smaller. Because if we go to Bridge Kids, if you were to ask the little kids, how big is God? They're going to stretch their arms out as big as they can, and they're going to say, he's this big. But guess what? The older they get, uh, God, no big deal. 
There's a great story, I don't know if you ever read it, by um, C.S. Lewis. He wrote The Chronicles of Narnia. The movies were a flop, but the books are great. And one of the parts is when Lucy comes to Aslan. And here, I've got to read it because I'll mess it up, and it's so powerful. Aslan said, Lucy, you're bigger. This is because you are older, Lucy, not because I am. And Aslan said, but every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Here's the point. You see, every time Lucy got a little bit bigger and throughout the book, she ages and she gets older. She comes back, but Aslan, the lion, who is a picture of God, always seemed bigger, even though she was growing. And it's because that picture is the picture I want for us, that every time we grow, our picture of God should grow. And for Abraham, he's gotten his own way of doing things, his own thinking, and the root issue was he didn't see God as El Shaddai. He just saw God as, yeah, you're, you're God. See, that was the same problem in chapter 15. He's repeating himself. So I want you to understand, if you're in the blended family, you're discouraged, I want you to come back to who God is, that there is strength for the struggle. Not only is there strength for the struggle, there is grace for the guilt. Because understand and mark my words, there is this guilt that you feel. There is this part of you that feels like, what did I do wrong? I was the victim. I was hurt, but yet I still feel so terrible. There are so many things. And there is this guilt that you feel. And I want you to understand, there is grace for that guilt. There is a grace for that guilt that God says, hey, I'm there. That is why God said, Abraham, I'm going to change your name. I'm going to change it. Because I've got to change things up. I need people to know that your identity is not marked by the past, but it's by the present and on the future. I want people to see that you're something different than what you are. So Abraham gets a name change from exalted father to a father of a multitude. And I want you to understand that sometimes you feel like that the mistakes and that guilt creeps in. You're like, why do I have these? I want you to understand guilt comes from three areas. The mistakes we've made, the insecurities we've acquired, and the lies we believe. And so you let guilt in. And you let guilt and shame affect who you are. And the best way I can illustrate it is by pulling out this $100 bill. And if you look at it, it's a real $100 bill. I know it looks like Monopoly money, but it's a real $100 bill. And some of you, that's, you started out as ideal. Everything was perfect. Everything was, looked right, felt right. It was real. But then something happened. Your ideal went to real in a moment. Now, let me ask you a question. I just crumpled up a $100 bill. It's crumpled. It's bent. It went from crisp, new. Got it from the bank this morning. Is it still a $100 bill? It still is, isn't it? You mean, even though it's all crumpled up, even though they're, 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 it looks terrible, even though you could barely tell it's still a $100 bill, its value has not changed. Your value has not changed. You're still this. You say, wait a minute. No, no. I've been crumpled up. I've been stepped on. And everything's bad. I've been thrown around. And bad things have happened. Is it still the same? Guess what? No matter what, it's still a, now it's a dirty $100 bill, but it's still a $100 bill. You say, well, my life has just been awful. It's been horrible. And bad things have happened. and, and, And I am broken. That was really hard for me to rip a $100 bill. But guess what? What is it? It's still a $100 bill. Why? Because, not because we say it is, but because the United States government says that is worth $100. I want you to understand something this morning. 
No matter what you've done, your value before God hasn't changed. You may feel guilt and you may feel shame and God is trying to send a message to you that there is grace for that guilt. And God is saying, no matter what's happened, your value isn't gone. Okay? Yeah, your ideal is gone. The real is here. But guess what? The value is not gone. I want you to understand this morning that God is saying there's grace for that guilt. You're saying, man, my family's not everything that it should be. And I go over to a relative's house and, and they talk and they say this and it's not everything I, I want it to be. But guess what? I want you to understand there is grace for that guilt. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I love that God calls Abraham by his potential, not his past. He doesn't say, hey, you're the child. You're going to be the father of one. He says, you're going to be still be the father of a multitude. He calls him out by his potential. He doesn't call him by his sin. He calls him by who he's going to be. God looks at you and doesn't say, oh, man, I know what you did last Saturday. Oh, man, I know what you did in that family. No. He says, I see a great husband. I see a great wife. I see awesome kids. I see a great church member. I see somebody who loves their husband. I see somebody who loves their wife. I see children who honor and respect their parents. I see a church member who wants to help, who wants to serve. I see a, a neighborhood, a, a neighbor who's, who's kind and loving. That's what God sees. But you keep le- listening to the voice of the enemy. And the enemy's telling you, you're worthless. You're broken. You're no good. Your value is gone. And God is saying, no, it's not. You're still who I made you to be. Yeah, the the ideal may be gone. Your real may be here. But guess what? There's grace for that guilt. God wants to do something powerful in your life. God wants to give you the strength that you need. He wants to help you through the dark times. He wants to help you. He doesn't call you out by your past. He calls you by your potential. You know, I love seeing newborn babies. I love it when we had a little baby Austin. He came out, and he just looked like a mad old man. That's just how he looked. His hair didn't grow on top. He was bald on top, but on the side, it had grown out. And he had this woof cow when he came out. Like, he was mad at us for doing something to him. He was like, hey, kid, it was time to come out. And he was just mad. And if you meet Austin now, you know that it's kind of just stayed with him. So what would happen, people would visit him, and they'd be like, Wow, your baby's going to be a little rebel. Your baby's going to be a little. And then they start kind of defining or, or labeling your baby. I'm like, he's like five minutes old. And you're already labeling this guy like for real? So when people would leave, whisper to him, you're going to be a great man one day. God's going to do great things through you. I'm going to call him who he is. I'm not going to let anybody else label him. Don't you believe a word of it? Yeah, you're a punk, but guess what? It's all right. You're not going to be a rebel. You're going to have character. You're going to love your wife one day. You're going to be a good dad one day. And you speak those things into them. Can I tell you this, parents? Don't ever stop doing that. Don't ever stop speaking into who you want your children to be. Don't ever stop speaking into who you want your spouse to be. It's real easy to be like, oh, I want you to be a 29 waist and I want you to look like, no, don't do that. But speak into them and say, you're a great mom. You're an awesome cook. You are really good at getting us to the dinner table. I mean, that fire alarm goes off and we know dinner is ready. I mean, it is awesome. 
Or, you know what, you are really organized. You are really good with the money. I know some other, other, other families are stressed out, but you're really great with this. And you need to call out what they're good at. Man, you're really good, honey, at fixing stuff. You're really good at making sure our family's provided for. And instead of saying these things, oh, man, what are we having today? Leftovers? You even cook? What do you do, woman, all day? Man, come on. What do you do at your job? All you do is you just sit there, drink coffee, and talk about sports all day. Your job's easy. Anyway, trained monkeys will be doing your job in a few years, all right? So don't get too comfortable. We just say this stuff. Instead of calling out what's real about them and the potential about them. That's what God did in this passage. We've got to move. We've got to end this. So I want you to understand this morning, wherever the blended family is, there is strength for that struggle. There is grace for that guilt. But then there is payoff for your patience. You know, I said the blended family, it takes about five years for that blended family uh, psychologist say to really blend. And here's the hardest part, because you started out, and the best way to illustrate it is ICP. You started out in the relationship as an individual, and then you became a couple. And then after you became a couple, that's when you became parents. Now, in the blended family, the C is gone. It's IP. You went from an individual to a parent. And then for the rest of the time, you're fighting for that couple. You're just fighting for it. And what happens is, in a blended family, you draw up the battle lines. The dad takes his kids, mom takes her kids, and they square off. And we think, well, why don't these kids love each other like, you know, my wife and I love each other. Because they don't know each other. There's none of the memories, none of the connections. And we just kind of throw them in there and think, come on, life's going to be great. No. You've got to let them just kind of deal with some things. It's going to take at least two years before they're just cool. We're all right. It'll be a year if we're not talking. We're not talking at all. Then after that second year, we're cool. It's all right. Third year, things are starting to liven up a little bit. Fifth year, things are going. It's normal now. We can do this. Family, we're blending. We're blending. You see, when we get all this stuff together, God says, hey, that patience, there is a payoff for it. Things can taste really good. There could be some really good things. I like to just kind of mix it up one more time, just in case. You never know. Things kind of settle for a little bit. But if we would just get to that point where we'd say, you know what? I'm going to go the distance because I see so many people with so much potential. And instead of going all the way, we give up too soon. We don't... We don't make the investment. We don't wait the time. We just kind of say, well, that one didn't work out. You know, by the third marriage, they say, statistics say, there's an 80% chance of divorce by a third marriage. That's high. And so there's some people, the reality is they never change. They want to blame it on that spouse. Well, that one didn't work. Second one didn't work. Nothing, nothing worked out. But if you will wait, you could see some great things happen. We just blended a smoothie. I think it's going to be great. Do I have some people who want a sample? Yes, excellent, fantastic. I got, I got several samples, one for you. Here we go. Don't drink it yet. Don't drink it yet. Don't drink it yet. We're going to drink this all together. Don't tweet anything. We did shots in church. No, we did not, okay? All right, we did not, okay? Don't tweet anything. This is going to be more like communion. We all got to wait, okay? Just be glad we don't have one bucket and we all take a little sip, okay? Hold on, I'm going to make one more. Is there one more? I got enough for one more. Hold on. Yes, okay, hold on. Yes, you guys love my cooking. We could have like Southridge Juice Shop, all right? I could see it. We could make so much. Hold on, wait, wait. I'm, I've got to have some too, okay? I made it. I get some. 
all right? Okay, I get a lot of it. I I want a lot. Now, I I, got to admit, these straws are like the world's smallest straws. You may just want to, like, you know, just not even mess with a straw. But just hold on. Just here we go, all right? Wait, we're going we're gonna to do a little countdown before we try this smoothie because we blended it. We put in the ingredients. Now we got to see how it tastes, okay? So here we go. All right, on three. Just wait, okay? Ready? Everybody hold up. If you, if you got one, the rest of you guys are, yeah, sorry, you didn't get one. Ready? Here we go, on three. Ready? One, two, three. Mmm. Mmm. And nutritious. So good. So good. Man, I feel healthy already. Mm. There's something good that can happen when we blend the right way. When the blended family comes together, we say, yeah, even with that spinach, even with that, that ice and that Greek yogurt that has no flavor, you put all those ingredients together, and guess what? You got something awesome. Put all the, that fruit, and it blends, and all of a sudden, now the family's working together, and God wants to do something. And guess what? There's a great verse in the Bible that says this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We've just tasted. God just, he could do something great with our families. But we've got to wait for the payoff. In Hebrews 6, here's what it says about Abraham. It said in verse number 15 of Hebrews 6, And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. You see, at the end of that passage, God comes to him and says, Hey, Abraham, you're going to have a son. It's not Ishmael. You're going to have a son. His name is Isaac. But you're going to have to wait one more year. So he'd already waited 13 years. He's going to have to wait that 14th year. You know, I looked up the number 14. And it's interesting about the number 14. I'm not too big into numerology stuff, but it just means complete complete it was the right time it was a complete time when it comes to the blended family don't rush these things wait the process requires patience and you may be sitting here thinking no i i I can't i can't do this or i can't patience waiting waiting on god don't bail before the breakthrough Don't bail before the breakthrough. Don't bail on your marriage before God can really break through on something. Don't give up too soon. I see people who, they're just quick to just kind of, oh, that didn't work. Would you hang on? Would you not quit before God has had a chance to work? God can do great things. Now, we talk about, oh, it's great to have a baby, but guess what? You still have to have a baby. And all of us guys are grateful that God made us male. Because what women have to go through, doctors say the pain level is like 20 bones being broken at one time. I could not imagine the pain. Not any of it. They talk about, oh, I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling a little bit in the morning. I'm like, give me morphine. Give me shots. You know, go find a street pharmacist now. We need to get this pain managed. You know, and it's just like they just handle it. Have you seen the needle that they deliver the epidural? I don't do needles. I passed out just looking at the needle. And they were like, oh, no, that's just to numb the area. I was like, i got to sit down. I can't handle this. No, this is not for me. I'm not into this. Understand that Sarah still had to have this baby. There was still some work that had to go on. I'm saying here this morning, be patient. But guess what? There is some work involved. That baby still has to be delivered. But guess what? You may not be able to do the work, but God can. That's what it means when we trust El Shaddai. God says, I will do it. And lastly, nothing speaks louder than our lives. Abraham this time said, I'm going to trust God. I'm not going to go my own way. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to trust him. And God says, okay, you trust me. We'll do something great. 
even with that blended family, even with the mistakes. God says, hey, there is strength for that struggle. There's grace for that guilt. And there is a payoff for your patience. If you wait, God will say, I'll take that blended family. I'll do something great. Can we all stand?